Support for this podcast is provided by Total Jobs. For over 20 years, Total Jobs has been helping UK businesses hire the people they need. That's why their customers rate them as excellent on Trustpilot. But it doesn't stop there. Through their expansive global network, you can recruit the people you need wherever you need them. With coverage in 140 countries worldwide, Total Jobs provides you with the best of both worlds. A global player with a local touch, committed to powering your international success. So if you're looking to grow your team, do it with a team you can trust. Total Jobs. Visit totaljobs.com slash hiring to find out more and get started today. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 351 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Health and well-being are now at the front and centre of the employee experience and fast becoming a critical factor in talent acquisition and retention. This is especially true in the retail industry, whose employees have had to face massive amounts of uncertainty during the pandemic and genuine concerns about their personal safety. Next week, retail industry charity Retail Trust is holding an online event to champion the health and well-being of the retail workforce following the reopening of non-essential shops across the UK. As part of the build-up to the event, I spoke to Chris Brooke Carter, CEO of Retail Trust, and Louise Stonia, Chief People Officer at Pets at Home, about the renewed focus on health and well-being in the employee experience. Hi, Louise. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the podcast. Absolutely brilliant to have you on the show. Could you just introduce yourselves and tell us what you do? Absolutely. Uh, hi, Matt. Um, great to be on here. Thanks so much for the invitation. I'm Chris Brooke Carter, the Chief Executive of the Retail Trust. Retail Trust is the largest charity within the sector looking after the health and well-being of everyone uh, involved in the industry. It's been around since 1832. And has since then been at the heart of how the industry cares for and protects and improves the lives of its most valuable asset, its people. Hi, Matt. Hi, everybody. It's great to be here. Um, so I'm Louise Stonia and I'm the Chief People and Culture Officer um, at Pets at Home, which is um, the largest pet care business in the UK. Um, I'm responsible for the people strategy, um, but also for our ESG strategy, which is very much a part of our culture. Um, and we're calling that our Better World Pledge. And a key part of that is our people pillar. Um, and a key part of that is is well-being of our people. It's been a, a very disruptive and incredibly challenging time for everyone over the last um, 18 months. But but in particular, I'm sure for people working in, in retail. To put this question to Louise first, what has the pandemic been like for your organisation and, and your employees? And, you know, how have you had to support people? Um, so I think, you know, it's been very different for different retailers, depending upon, you know, the situation that you were placed in. Um, we were designated as an essential retailer um, right at the start, which meant that our colleagues on the front line you know, still were going into store You know, at the very start. We dialed back this time last year, you know, when we were in lockdown, um, you know, a lot of people 
people work, working from home, you know, our colleagues, you know, were going into store day in, day out. And that was, you know, obviously very daunting for them. Um, it was quite an, an anxious time for them. We prioritised, you know, very early on. Um, our number one priority was keeping our colleagues, our customers and our pets safe. And we very much energised and motivated, you know, all of our colleagues really around that, that one priority, which was first and foremost, uh, you know, and really communicated down from our leaders. And I think they've had to deal with a tremendous amount. Um, and that's including our colleagues as well in the support office who suddenly, you know, found themselves their normal way of working, being at home and having to juggle in many things such as care and responsibilities. Um, and, you know, it was a tricky time at the start because there was a huge amount of government guidance coming down the line. Well, by, by the afternoon, it was it seemed to change every afternoon. Um, you know, and one of the things that, you know, we, we did, you know, very well at the start was that clear communication and that constant, you know, communicating with urgency, really, with real transparency and honesty. It's obviously been a really, a really challenging time. Chris, how how have other organisations been finding it? What what sort of things have you, have you been focusing on as an organisation during pandemic? Absolutely. Well, as a charity, we've had to respond to an incredible demand, uh, an increase in demand for our services since the start of uh, the pandemic. Um, we offer uh, access to uh, mental health support and financial support to those working uh, within the industry. I think we gave out about £800,000 in non-repayable grants uh, in the last 12 months to those uh, who found themselves in financial distress, which is something like a 125% increase year on year. And we conducted around 7,000 counselling sessions for uh, uh, retail colleagues up and down the country, which again, I think was up about 164% year on year. And as Louise said, uh, you know, staff across the country, whether they're in uh, DCs, whether they're driving vans, uh, whether they're at the storefront or, or uh, in headquarters, have faced an extraordinary um, sort of coming together of, 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 of um factors that have increased anxiety, depression and uh, mental health issues, whether it's um, the fear of falling unwell, whether it's the fear of job losses. We've seen huge amounts of jobs go across the industry in the last 12 months, something like 180,000, I think. Um, and there's you know, the further threat of redundancies in retailers up and down the country, sadly. So all of this has come together, plus all the things that we've been feeling, the social disconnection that has gone with the pandemic, have come together to make it incredibly difficult for retail workers over the last uh, 12 months. Uh, and those things have, as I said, have, have created a unfortunately a bit of a storm of mental health issues for those working in the industry. We're obviously entering uh, a, a different a different phase now. Certainly in the UK, essential and non-essential retail is now open. And whilst it, it feels things are, are getting back to normal, we're obviously very far from the normal of the beginning of last last year. Louise, what's important to your employees now, and and how are you how are you supporting them moving forward? Where where is um you know where where is everything right now? It's really interesting because. Um, I've been talking to my buddy stores um, this week. So each director buddied up with an area um, during the pandemic. And um, I've been chatting through with them, you know, about their concerns, you know, what, what do they see coming down the horizon? And it's just interesting to see where the, the, the questions are sort of heading. Um, so things that are sort of on their mind is clearly, um, you know, what's going to happen once June the 21st arrives is that suddenly going to be, you know, no social distancing, masks off, 
you know, and feeling, you know, anxious about that. Um, but then you get different camps that, you know, really want to embrace that. So it's, I think it's still a very, very individual experience. So in their minds, you know, very much with what, what is going to happen and what is that going to look like for them when they're working in store. Um, and then you've got colleagues, you know, from support office, you know, from the DCs, you know, how is that going to impact the working environment, you know, when they come back into the office, you know, what is that going to look like as well for them? So, you know, that's very much at, at the forefront of their minds. Um, and we're working through that at the moment, just continuing with that communication. I think that's been really clear from the start is letting colleagues know that it's on our agenda. We might not have the answers um, yet, but letting them know that we're looking at it. And as soon as that we have you know, further clarity, we'll come back to them. But very much taking on board the feedback that we're getting uh, and building that into the actions that we take. I think that's been really key is, you know, getting that feedback and showing that, you know, we are building that into, you know, the measures that, that we put in place. And are you sort of really focusing on the experience that those em- employees have while, while, while they're at work? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, the past 18 months, you know, that, that colleague experience has been elevated even more so. You know, it's always been important for us at Pets at Home as it is for, for, you know, for many employers, but there's been a huge spotlight on that experience over the past 18 months. Um, and and the, other big, the other big thing that's coming through, you know, our colleagues is, you know, very much wanting to get even more involved in terms of upskilling their, themselves, particularly when the managers, to be able to have those, you know, conversations around mental health. Um, so, you know, a big focus of ours is, is that whole experience in terms of helping our colleagues to really own, you know, their well-being, you know, and what support can we give, you know, because they do want to be really proactive in that space. We found, you know, a, a real kind of change and, and, and spotlight on it over the past um, 18 months. And Chris, bringing you, bringing you back in, obviously, you, you talked about what your organisation was, was focused on in terms of supporting the industry during the pandemic. What are you seeing now and what What's what's your what's your role now? Uh, well, I think Louise has articulated it really well. The key um, worry for people now is is the is the uncertainty and um, the lack of clarity about what the future holds, and we're all facing those those challenges. But obviously, with all the jobs that have gone in the sector and the fact that so many retail workers are on on the front line, I think that those issues are amplified uh, for, for workers in, in the sector. Um, I think if anything good comes out of this is, is the fact that um, the issue of mental health has been placed squarely at the top of the agenda for uh, the industry. And um, you know, we've been so delighted with the way that um, the leadership of the sector and Pets at Home are a quite fantastic example of that, have embraced um, uh, how they look after the, the mental health of their colleagues going forward. Our role now really is to continue to build um, a coalition um, of businesses and leaders and brands who want to champion the health of the sector uh, and those people in it. Um, we'll obviously continue to support individuals and empower them with access uh, to the services that we provide. But again, a big key part of what we're doing is training uh, the industry. We have um, a series of workshops, both face-to-face and, and online, that leaders uh, within the industry, all the way through from um, those at, at the bottom end of the industry all the way to, through to the C-suite can, can take part in uh, to help raise the standard and raise the bar of what great leadership looks like around this, this issue now. 
everything that's sort of that, that that's happened and the you know the, the changes that, that, that we've seen in daily life I, I, inevitably they're going to have a, a, an impact on the the retail industry moving forward Louise what what do you think the future of the industry looks like and how has the pandemic actually actually sort of changed things in in the in the medium to long term I think you know the pandemic has really shown you know retail as a, as a real force for good. Um, there are countless stories that you know you see of the amazing you know extra lengths that you know retailers have gone to to really support their local communities, but also to support um, their colleagues. Um, I do think that retail does have a real role to play, as, as Chris just talked about that that coalition in really rebuilding that resilience back into society. Um, you know, creating jobs and opportunities because there are still, you know, many jobs and opportunities um, in retail across all different spectrums of, you know, different um, different areas. Um, and I think the other big role that retailers have to play is really guiding consumers. You know, as we're seeing already, in making you know real sustainable choices. Um, so I think you know building that resilience and that recoverability particularly into those local communities you know is a real role that retailers can play well into and do you think that health and well-being uh, are absolutely a key part of of who you are as a company and your your sort of employment brand now Oh gosh, absolutely. I mean, it's been a part, you know, for many years, I think there's just been a huge spotlight on it for, you know, the, the past 18 months during the pandemic. Um, it, it's really interesting. So we have two kind of sets, um, kind of divisions in our organisation because a big part of our pet care business is our veterinary profession as well, you know, operating our stores and standalone. And I was talking to the graduates that we take on, we take on about 80 each year, um, about why they chose us, you know, why, why did you choose to come to, you know, the, the Vets for Pets um, at Pets at Home? And the thing that they all say is because, you know, you, you put wellbeing right at the centre. So when we come for our induction, you're not talking about anything else first other than how we're going to help support their wellbeing. So it's so crucial for that attraction and retention of talent. Chris, sort of bringing you in on those those questions, what do you think the future of the industry looks like and what should the focus on health and wellbeing be moving, moving forward? Well, I think first and foremost, the retail industry has clearly got a huge role to play in terms of how we build that better. This is uh, the biggest private sector employer in the country and um, it particularly is the largest employer of young people in the country so many of the social economic issues that the country is going to face in terms of how it emerges from this pandemic are going to be met by the retail industry uh, and clearly people are retail's greatest asset so going out into the market and, and reminding the country again uh, of what an amazing job the retail industry has done to look after its people but also reminding the industry what an amazing job retail has done uh, to support um, the, com- the country during this pandemic, making sure that the, the essential stores have, have remained open and all those sorts of things, I think it's incredibly important. And health and wellness are part of um, uh, an agenda now that I think is more and more uh, important in terms of um, brand recognition. Consumers want to shop at uh, companies that have values that they can identify with. Investors want to be invested in companies uh, that, that have great values. And as I say, uh, I think health and well-being are, are going to be critical parts 
uh, of any CSR strategy uh, for retail at the moment. Um, so I think this is this is a really important time, which is why we we are so keen to um, build this coalition, build the, this set of brands and people um, who can rally around the retail trust and rally around our cause to champion health, hope, and happiness within the industry, um, and really put uh, the retail industry in the kind of spotlight that it deserves uh, as a sector that that genuinely cares for and looks after its people. Fantastic stuff. I mean, that's some you know that's absolutely brilliant work that you that you're doing. Sticking with you, Chris, and, and sticking on that that topic of, of, of people, as we move forward, what sort of challenges is the retail industry having in terms of a, attracting you know new people to work in, in, in retail? Is, is that proving difficult as everyone's um, rehiring? And what are people sort of doing to deal with those challenges? Well, I think uh, there's no doubt that over the last few years, retail um, has been through the ringer, um, that, you know, Particularly before the pandemic, they were, they, you know, it seemed every week there was a, another set of headlines of a company that was going under, or there was some unfortunate association with leadership issues within the industry from certain individuals as well, which didn't necessarily paint retail. Uh, in the greatest light. But as I say, actually, um, I think the pandemic has shown what a, um, a critical industry this is um, to the UK uh, and has done such an extraordinary job. It's really been seen as uh, being on the front line, being one of those um, those sectors uh, alongside the NHS that has um, allowed the, industry, the country to keep functioning. Um, and I think that the industry should see that and, and, and uh, remind the government, remind society of the important role it, it, it plays. Many of the retailers have done some outstanding work in their communities. Um, we've been supported in, a, in an absolutely fantastic way by so many companies over the last 12 months who have either uh, donated to us or have helped amplify our message. Um, some of the grocers have helped feed um, our residents on some of our estates um, where we look after retired retail workers. Um, so there's been some fantastic work and I really hope that it, it helps reposition the sector as a, an industry where young people in particular can have just amazing careers. It, it's still one of the most meritocratic industries in the country. You genuinely can go from working on a store on a Saturday all the way to being the chief executive of some of the biggest brands in the country. Um, and I hope that this pandemic helps reset that narrative um, and sort of reclaims in, uh, retail's position as the you know, as the great industry within the UK that it, uh, that it is. Yeah, I just want to echo that, Chris. Absolutely fantastic. Retail has been that platform for social mobility, you know, for so many years. As Chief Executive um, Peter Pritchard, he started off um, as, in, as a Saturday colleague. I think he was at M&S and has worked his way all the way up, didn't go to university, to CEO of our organisations. Just so many fantastic examples of that i just think you know we need to make sure we continue with that louise as an employer do you see challenges in talent acquisition ahead what do you think is going to happen i, mean, I have to be honest as um a retailer we are not struggling to attract um so you know as, as an individual company um we see an abundance of talent out there i think the challenge is just making sure we're attracting you know a real diverse set of talent and making sure we, you know we're tapping into that really wide talent pool that is out there and there's lots of you know different ways that you know retailers can do that we've partnered with the prince's trust you know, to help us to tap into a, you know, a wide network of talent. We're working with them on the Kickstart program. And um, we've just launched that scheme um, because we do know that, you know, 
we're not necessarily always getting to that diverse talent that you know we could bring into our organization chris just as a as a, as a final question i mean tell us tell us about the event you're running next week what is it involved and how can people connect with it absolutely well it's an event to coincide with mental health awareness month um, and the, the the idea of the event is to champion um the cause of mental health within the sector we've got content going on for everyone from those that are building a strategy within the industry um, to building a mental health strategy, wellness strategy within their people, all the way down to individuals who want to learn how to um, improve their mental health, improve their resilience, and as well as Louise, who's, who's joining us uh, next week, we'll be hearing from uh, around 20 retail leaders, uh, including the chief execs of, of Morrison's, of ASOS, and the British Retail Consortium, uh, and uh, Tony Blair's uh, former advisor, Alistair Campbell, as well, who uh, gives a very candid interview on how he's dealt with uh, his mental health uh, struggles as well. So it's a fantastic two days. It's free to attend to anyone who wants to sign up, and the hope is, as I say, that it allows us to amplify our message and um, uh, help individuals to deal with their, with their mental health and really continue to raise the debate and the, and the standard of the conversation around mental health uh, to put it squarely at the way that the retail industry um, conducts itself. Chris and Louise, thank you very much for joining me. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. My thanks to Chris and Louise. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to the mailing list to get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time. And I hope you'll join me. This is my show.